Hey everyone, it's Chronically Me. Welcome back to my podcast. Today we are looking at part two of chronically fatigued, uh, looking at chronic fatigue syndrome or myogic encephalomyelitis. So today we're joined by Amy and Jessica who are sharing their experiences with this chronic illness and answering the same questions as last time, but I will say what the question is before they give their answers. Um, I hope you enjoy, I hope you learn lots about how chronic fatigue syndrome affects people differently. A little bit of insight into what it's like to have that condition. Um, so just before we start, if you could say your name, age, and whether you consider your chronic fatigue syndrome mild, moderate, or severe. Okay. Um, hi, I'm Jessica Cannell. I'm 19, turning 20 in about a month. And I would say my my algic encephalitis, I can't even say it, uh, CFS okay. is generally mild to moderate, depending yeah, cool. Every time I ask that question, people are like, oh, I'm not really sure. Yeah, very <laughs> like, depends on what time of the month. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so our first question is, how would you describe chronic fatigue syndrome? Oh, that's toughy. Um, well, I definitely wouldn't describe it as, I'm just tired all the time. <laughs> um, it is honestly something that's exhausting mentally as much as it is physically it is a condition that um causes me uh neuropathic pain um headaches sickness it makes me more vulnerable to other sickness as well it gives me horrible brain fog sometimes and overall it, it really does impact my life in the way that it prevents me from living how I was, I guess, living two years ago. I was really active. That's something for sure. And that's what it's really impacted for me. Yeah, for sure. Like, it, um, I always say, like, it covers everything. It comes with a lot of other symptoms as well. Like, I remember you mentioning how rest is just on your mind constantly. And it's so true about how um, even when I'm in a place where I can't be resting, I'm thinking about how where I can sit what I can do, what I can lean upon, whether or not I'm overexerting myself for later and things like that. It really does impact every element. Yeah, for sure. Like you're constantly worrying, like, am I overdoing it or do I need to rest right now? Yeah. Hey, I'm proud to introduce to you Amy, who is 27 and has had chronic fatigue syndrome or myogic encephalomyelitis for over 18 years and describes her condition as moderate. She answers the question, how would you describe chronic fatigue syndrome as a frustrating, debilitating illness that grabs hold of you and doesn't want to let go? Think of zombies and that's how people with ME feel pretty much 24-7. So our second question is, what is your experience with chronic fatigue syndrome and how does it affect you? Well, um, it's been something that's developed over the past two years of my life. And there we go. Now we're having <laughs> brain fog. What was the yeah. second part of the question? Um, how does it affect you? <laughs> there you go. It, um, it affects me in how I communicate, in my friendships, my family. I was planning to move out of house over the past two years and I now am highly dependent on my parents. Um, 
it has affected the amount that I can work. It's affected my education and whether or not I've had to have adjustments to the way that I go to uni. And it's just generally affected my overall health because I developed it from a virus. So it's been so much harder for my body to get back to a healthy state, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. I relate to so much of that. What is your experience with chronic fatigue syndrome and how does it affect you? This answer comes from Amy. She says, The worst thing for me is leg weakness. I had to get a stick a few years ago after nearly falling to the ground in the shop and having to hold on to the sides. It's really hard to find your middle ground because the amount of activity it takes to floor you can change daily. It can lead to loss of dignity because when I'm at my worst, my partner has to hold me up to get to the toilet and stand and wait for me to finish. Then there's dizziness and pain, screaming at you from every place it can. The light sensitivity for me is the hardest because at its worst, I have to have the curtains closed and a duvet over my head, and that's just really depressing. Then there's my newest symptom. If I ignore and push through the others, I know I'll projectile vomit. Um, what do you wish people knew about CFS? Well, falling back to my previous statement that it's not just being tired all the time. It mm. is honestly such a debilitating condition. And because it's an invisible illness, I guess, well, if I'm not using my walking stick and things like that, it is something that is so, I guess, untouched by the public eye. A lot of people don't know about it. And I barely knew anything about it before I developed it as well. And I wish just people knew that chronic illnesses vary and it's the same as how disability varies and that one person's experience is different to another's but it doesn't mean that theirs doesn't have the same impact. Just because I haven't had to, you know, use my walking stick in a week doesn't mean that my condition is not is still not as just debilitating, I guess, in my life. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Like it affects you differently across days or across years and like everybody's experience with it is different. Yeah, it it's such a fluctuating illness that, yeah, I really wish more people knew that it's so important not to judge people, certainly by appearance or what they're doing, certainly because there are so many rude people out there who make comments when you're in and out of a wheelchair and things like that. And it's like, keep your thoughts to yourself and understand that everyone else is going through something and it's not a place of judgment. Yeah, for sure. I've, like, I haven't really had any instances, but for a while I used a wheelchair and I was just so scared of someone being like, yeah, you don't need that or why are you using that when they see me stand up? And yeah. just, yeah, people use mobility aids differently and people have different needs according to different days. And, yeah, there's just so many variables that go into it. It's really difficult. I remember buying um, a shower chair the first time because I was struggling to shower most days mm -hmm. and things. And even my own family's reaction was very adverse where they were kind of like, oh, why do you need that? And I was like, well, smell me. <laughs> exactly. And it's not um, because like, sure, you could survive without a shower chair, but it's so much easier with it. You know how people are like, oh, but I don't need it. Like anything to make your life easier is worth it so like I have a shower chair now too yeah it just means that like on days that um 
I'm not trusting my ankles. It's not terrifying to have a shower because I think that I'm going to slip and hurt myself or something. Or it means I can actually do some of my movement therapies that I need to do because I can use the support of the chair. It is crazy to me because I've grown up with um, friends of varying disabilities and they've had to use different um, was it accommodations and realizing how it's so important to allow people just to use these without like judgment and things like that and how much it can help just one part of your life which can be such a huge impact um before I got my shower chair showers would absolutely exhaust me but now they just fatigue me a little bit so I can do other things in my day as well and yeah all those little changes like that's valuable yeah like I was struggling to eat every day and someone mentioned to me they're like why don't you buy just a bunch of those like microwave meals just for days that you are struggling to you know make yourself a proper meal or something and it has changed everything completely because obviously food gives you a bit of energy I've bought ones that accommodate to my own dietary needs and that have plenty of protein and things in them and it's just changed everything so much it's also uh, like supplements and vitamins and all these things you start realizing how impactful like just a bit of vitamin d in your body can make certainly when you're dealing with a condition like this yeah for sure like i've recently been increasing my magnesium vitamin c intake and it's like making a difference i'm like wow one little yeah <laughs> i know i was so against going to see a naturopath because of the way that it had been explained to me as if it was some witchcraft medicine and then I got there and I was like it's just like seeing a a pharmacist who's actually going to figure out what's going on in my body what's not working what's not taking things in because obviously the virus that I had affected my liver and spleen so I haven't been able to take in nutrients from the foods I've been eating and I've been so confused and so now my iron's actually up to a point that I'm not constantly below the the amount that I need and things like that. It's just crazy how, yeah, a little bit of magnesium and things can go a huge way. Yeah, exactly. And just anything that can help. Like I'm not looking for cures as such anymore. No. Anything to ease your symptoms a little bit or to make it a bit more manageable is, is worth it. Amy answers the question, what do you wish people knew about chronic fatigue syndrome? by saying that the word fatigue isn't just tired. It's not just needing the occasional nap. Even after a rest, you don't instantly feel better. In fact, sometimes after a nap, I feel a whole lot more groggy and horrid and worse. It's not all in the head. I'm sure some, including me, have the initial cause of trauma mixed with a horrible virus, but in no way at all. Even if it was caused by trauma, finishing counselling for said trauma doesn't make the symptoms disappear. Nobody wants to be this ill, absolutely no one. So for a doctor to say things like, if your mindset was more positive, then you would feel better. Or, I don't believe you're in as much pain as you say you are. Yes, they say this. My recent trip to the doctors had the inquisition of, why are you using that stick and the sarcasm and damn right rude tone? Ah, it's chronic emphasis on fatigue syndrome. Ties nicely with our next question is advice to other people with CFS and what you wish you had known about CFS. Literally what you said before, stop finding it, stop looking for a cure. I had family who were just constantly trying to, I guess, fix me 
Mm. And that puts so much pressure on me to try and get better. And then you don't because obviously you're pushing yourself through so much where I was trying to jump back into full-time work and things like that. In reality, it's all about managing rest and prioritizing you and your needs. There's a sure. yeah, there's a really helpful saying, I think, always about like the spoony community about how you have that certain amount of spoons and it can only um with people who are spoonies you can only have a certain amount and every time you do an action you lose a certain amount but there's another one that ties well into that about the fill your own cup before you fill others and I always have like a flashback to the thing about wearing masks on the plane where Mm -hmm. if the air mask drops down you put on yours before you put on a child's And I think about that with every action now that I do in my life where I'm trying so hard to get everything done in the day. And then I go, well, actually, have you have you have you sat down for a moment? Have you had some breakfast and things like that? And so, yeah, definitely learning that taking time for yourself is not selfish. Yes, absolutely. When you're looking for a cure, that means you have to try everything. And then it feels like a personal failing if it doesn't work rather than just <sighs> so it's true. not working for my body. And, yeah, you're absolutely right. Just really looking after your physical and mental health and just doing what's right for you in that moment. Um, my teacher said something. It's like you've got to care for the carer, otherwise the carer can't care. <gasps> that is a really good statement. Oh, I'm telling everyone. <laughs> yeah, I this, it's just so crazy because a lot of the time you're reading so many articles and it's just so much more exhausting than actually just listening to your body and being really intuitive with what's going on. I think a big thing to other people managing through CFS or people who aren't even managing through CFS, being intuitive is a life changer. I now am able to manage each day so much better and in the essence of curing and things I am able to now do a little bit more than I was before because I was in a cycle of fatigue and crash and flare-ups and then all of a sudden try and get everything done go 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 and then crash again and I was flaring up worse because I was trying to overcompensate for the time that I was missing out on I guess and so realizing that time and your own schedule is not going to look the same as everyone else's and that's okay because just because I need to make sure there's four hours of rest during my day in between things and stuff doesn't mean that I'm losing value as a human doesn't mean you know I'm not helping that consumeristic society keep rolling because I am helping my body do the things it needs to do to be able to get basic acts done absolutely and it's that acceptance and you know Mm. when you're you know trying to completely fix yourself and you know find a cure then it doesn't allow you to accept or be content with where you are now and then like and it's not like you're giving up or anything like you're still managing your illness and trying things that work it's just a different mindset that allows you to accept where things are now while also looking to the future Yeah, and I think that helps so much with mental health as well because a lot of people within the, well, just the chronic illness community tend to end up getting to darker points or getting anxious and overwhelmed by their conditions. And I think 
that can also be put on a lot of the time by constantly trying to appeal this idea of fixing yourself where in reality acceptance does change that whole outlook and you start appreciating the little achievements the little moments you know like the fact that you were able to sit up out of bed today and drink tea in mm. the you know the sunny corner of your room or even if you weren't able to sit up it was like well you know my bed's nice and warm today oh that's such a nice thought and it really does change the, your outlook on life and I think chronic illness can be so debilitating in a way but it has helped me see the world in such a better light because of it yeah uh, I'm absolutely saying like you just appreciate those things that much more and yeah like now that um, I'm looking for things that help and ease symptoms rather than make them disappear I'm actually doing a lot better than I was yeah ironic Um. it was crazy to me I never thought I could it will be this far in a semester of uni without having a crazy flare up. And even when I have had little ones, like I've noticed it and I've caught on and I've done the right type of management to proceed. And it's just helped me with communicating with other people. I now just tell people right off the bat and it's made me so much more honest with the people Mm -hmm. around me. And I now don't surround myself with people who are going to be judgmental of who I am and what I need. Exactly. It removes that shame around it. Yeah. People that I had a chronic illness, but now, yeah, I don't mind. (laughs) Yeah. I'm just like, hey, what's up? It's chronically me now. (laughs) And yeah, it's one of the first conversations I have because like it affects how I interact with the world and giving that an explanation helps other people understand me. Yeah, that's so true. Amy answers the question, what advice would you give to other people with chronic fatigue syndrome and what do you wish you had known by saying, don't just push through, listen to your body and rest when needed. The thing that has been previously most helpful to me that I'm struggling now with as a mother is pacing, pacing, pacing. If you think you have the energy to do something, do half of it. Also, don't suffer in silence. There are so many people out there, unfortunately, that are suffering like you and will be there to talk to you no matter what. Isolation is the worst thing about ME. No questions asked. Socialising is non-existent. It doesn't have to be. There are ways around it, even if it's just a phone call a week or a month. Also, if you need to conserve energy, use a wheelchair. It's massively frowned upon in the medical profession as they think you will get reliant on it. I used on and off for two or three years and gradually reduced my reliance on it. Yes, my knees are a bit weaker now due to lack of use. But without it, I would have stayed home for months on end, getting more and more lonely. I now use a mobility scooter in the supermarkets or trips where I'm out, I will hire one. No, I'm not reliant on it for small things, but it does make a huge difference to the level of awfulness I get after doing something fun. Our final question is, what has helped you the most? Well, I think understanding from myself and from others, acceptance, like you've said. Um, and some of the other big helpers, I I decreased the amount of times that I went to the doctor because every yeah. time I went, that was so impactful. And I also made sure that I, when I went, I wrote down questions prior so I knew what I was going to say when I was in there and I knew what I wanted out of the appointment. 
Um, I think if you're able to either seeing like a, a chiro or a physio every now and then can do help and letting them know that you can have flare-ups from doing too much change to your body. And so that helped a lot with my adjustments. I have a, um, I have a scoliosis. So if I do too many adjustments and things, I can flare up as bad. So letting the chiro know has really helped with things like that. And I think generally take uh, eating really good, nutritious, like high-filled foods, but also enjoying, you know, your treat foods and stuff. Because I was, I became aware of all the foods that actually flared me up and things like that. And the moment I started decreasing all of them, um, it helped a lot with things like brain fog and um, just general fatigue symptoms and things like that. Yeah, cool. Do you mind asking me asking what your trigger foods are? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> anything with lactose, um, gluten, not 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 the greatest uh, a lot of the time if you're lactose intolerant though gluten will follow under um tomatoes and <laughs> just lots of little things in the mix so like I recently learned that one of my favorite spices cumin is one that does me as well so I'm like oh okay well that's a special occasion one things like that then you know you're going to choose when to avoid them when to be like yeah I can you know live with the consequences of this yeah and I'm just more mindful now like the next day or two um or even a little while later I'll be like whoa wait what is going on with my body why am I reacting like this and then I realize oh yeah you had you know a huge chunk of ice cream two days ago that's totally understandable why you're feeling fatigued now Mm, yeah, yeah that makes sense what has helped you the most this answer comes from Amy Initially pen pals and now a local support group, making friends that understand these struggles that you're going through and that you can laugh with. Having that wheelchair in the early days, pacing, pacing, pacing. Working out if you have any food intolerances. I'm milk intolerant and egg intolerant and cut both out of my diet. Gentle exercise at a really slow pace. Not exercise, right? I've done it once, increase it, slowly does it. And writing for me, I use poetry as a form of therapy. it's chronically me that's it for today's episode thank you so much for joining me and a massive shout out to amy and jessica for sharing their experiences about chronic fatigue syndrome i hope you really enjoyed listening in um, and to those who have chronic fatigue syndrome i hope that you are able to relate to some of it and feel validated in your experiences and to those without chronic fatigue syndrome that you've been able to learn a bit about what it's like and how it affects somebody's life. So join us next time for another episode all about chronic illness. I'm not quite sure what the topic will be yet, but I would love to hear your suggestions. Um, And as always, this has been Chronically Me.